Johnson back to Fortino. Fortino rolling puck down low. Shot scores. It's Pula again. Canada wins gold in overtime. Welcome to Changing on the Fly, a podcast about hockey, politics, and social change. I'm your host, Aaron Lakoff. Like blades on the ice, Changing on the Fly cuts right to the heart of today's most important issues in hockey. We go beyond the stats and pundits to bring you hard-hitting analysis on the politics of the game we love. From taking on racism and sexism in the locker room, to looking at the impacts of climate change on hockey, we amplify voices from the margins and bring them to center ice. Stay with us. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Changing on the Fly, where we hit the ice to look at hockey from a radical and critical perspective, all the while having fun and staying in the game. This is episode seven, and my name is Aaron Lakoff. So if you're listening to this in the month of January 2019, we just passed a very significant one-year anniversary in the hockey world. On January 10th, 2018, Jessica Platt, a forward with the Toronto Furies of the CWHL, that's of course the Canadian Women's Hockey League, came out as transgendered. In doing so, she became the first out transgendered person to ever play pro hockey in Canada. And she made this announcement in a very powerful Instagram post, which we're gonna link to in our show notes. Jessica's story is an inspiring one because she became a trailblazer, creating a path for other transgender hockey players who will hopefully follow in her footsteps. And while she's beaming these days as a powerful role model, her story wasn't always easy. In fact, her life has been quite the challenge, and like so many other trans folks, has had to face so much discrimination on her path to playing pro hockey in the CWHL. In fact, at one point, it was just too much to cope with, and so she left hockey entirely, only to come back to make it to the top level. We're going to get into all that Jessica Platt story, so don't go anywhere. Just before we get into that interview with Jessica Platt, I wanted to mention a few quick housekeeping things. First up, if you haven't already subscribed to Changing on the Fly, make sure you go do that now. You can press pause and go hit a subscribe button wherever you find podcasts. I'm trying to put this podcast out about twice a month, so subscribing is the best way to never miss any of our content. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, really wherever podcasts are streaming out there. You can also listen to back episodes on our website, changingonthefly.ca. If you want to support this show, our Patreon page is patreon.com slash changingonthefly. Look, this is very much a DIY project. I'm recording this right now in my living room. If you're hearing sounds in the background, it's most likely those huge snow removal trucks that come around here in the middle of the winter because we just had a few huge ginormous uh, snowstorms. And I do this as, you know, a labor of love, blood, sweat, tears, whatever you will. You know, there's always costs associated with a podcast, even if listening to them is free. 
you know, whether it's keeping up with domain names, buying web space, trying to keep good quality equipment so we can keep this podcast sounding good. But it's all, of course, done on a labor of love. And that's why we need you to support us today. Patreon.com slash changing on the fly. Every little bit helps. Even if it's $1 a month, hit us up there. And finally, Changing on the Fly is a proud member of the Up for Network. Find your newest favorite podcast at upfornetwork.com. All right, with all of that, we will be right back. Okay, all right. Well, we're joined today by our very special guest here on Changing on the Fly. Uh, she plays forward for the Toronto Furies and CWHL number 11, Jessica Platt. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking time. I know out of a really busy schedule during the season uh, to do this. Um, before we jump into you know your whole story and everything, uh, first up, you know we're about a month into the CWHL season as we're recording this. How are things going so far? Uh, they're going pretty well. Team is three wins, four losses. So we're, we could be doing better, but we're doing okay. It's a good start. Yeah, I want to kind of start by, of course, going into your story. It's a really inspiring story. You're, of course, the first uh, out transgender player in, in the CWHL. And I kind of wanted to start at the moment where you decided to come out uh, to much of the hockey world through an Instagram post you actually made uh, earlier this year, so back on January 20th, 2018. And I'm wondering if you could actually just start by um, by reading us the the text from, from that Instagram post. Yeah, um, so it kind of goes like this. Um, After a lot of thought, I would like to announce that I'm transgender. I'm fortunate enough to be able to live my life as who I am meant to be and as well follow my passion and play the game I love. With the support of my family, friends, the CWHL, and the Toronto Furies, I'm able to live my dream while being true to myself. I hope others will be as fortunate as I am now and in the future. I want people to know that you don't have to quit pursuing your dreams to be the person you were meant to be. Amazing. So with that post, you essentially made history um, by you know taking this great step forward. I want you to kind of take us back to that day as much as possible and kind of just tell us like what was what was going through your head? What were some of your thoughts as, as you posted that? Um, that day was a pretty busy day for me. It was uh, actually posting that wasn't the thing I was most nervous about. Um, I wrote that post uh, while I was having a coffee uh, before my team's workout before our practice. Um, I typically get to get to Toronto early since I'm about an hour drive away. So I usually have a little bit of time to kill because I try and a lot for a lot for traffic. Mm. Um, So during the day, I was mostly thinking about telling my team because I told my team on the same day. Um, We had our workout and I was telling my team in between workout and practice. And I was just I was so nervous to tell my team because I didn't want anyone to see me differently I didn't want anyone to I guess not be okay with it uh, so I was I was the most worried about telling my team um, mm. uh, that went amazing and uh, after after practice uh, 
I went upstairs, had a uh, conference call with uh, the Players uh, Association and general managers and told them what I was planning on doing. And I got support from them. And uh, from then on, I had I had my post all ready to go. Um, it was it was a little nervous at first, but as soon as I hit post, it was it was it was fine. I knew it was what I wanted to do. I knew I was ready for it. So yeah, um, actually, posting wasn't wasn't the hardest part of the day for me. I can imagine. What what were some of the reactions from from your teammates like after after you made uh, made that post? But I guess also told them in person. Um, well, I have, uh, as soon as I, right after I told them, I left the dressing room to kind of give them a little bit of space, give them time to digest what they had just heard and discuss things if they needed to discuss things. Um, but almost immediately I had, I had, um, the majority of the players from my team, uh, come out of the dressing room, give me a hug, tell, tell me how proud they were of me and, it was really incredible just to have their support. It was, it was better than I could have hoped for. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, at the time that that um, you came out to your team, had you been out um, as as a transgender person to other people in your life at that point? Um, well, yeah, there was there was a few people I told that I didn't talk about it to most people um, previously before I decided that coming out was something I wanted to do. Um, I had all, like, since I realized I was transgender and throughout my transition, all I wanted to do was to fit in and be what I, be seen as what I thought normal was. Um, I just wanted to be seen as a woman and nothing, nothing different about me at all. But um, I, I chose to uh, hopefully get my story out there and hopefully help other people. So I want to go back a little bit, maybe earlier in your life. Um, you're from Sarnia, Ontario, and that's, yep. uh, you know, maybe for people who don't know Sarnia, kind of in southwestern Ontario. Tell us a little bit about your life growing up and what were some of your earliest memories playing hockey? Uh, my life growing up in Sarnia, um, there wasn't a lot of diversity there, so I wasn't exposed to, um, I wasn't exposed to anything really that was different. It was pretty much just cisgender heterosexual people there the whole time so I didn't really know too much about um, being LGBTQ um, so that was a difficult process uh, getting used to um, I guess learning about myself um, I started skating in an ice rink in the backyard at like three or four years old and shortly after that I started playing hockey and pretty much every other sport I possibly could, but hockey was by far my favorite. Mm. Uh, so growing up, um, other than the trouble I was having figuring out my identity, I'd say was pretty pretty normal, pretty average. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like I also grew up playing hockey, like as a kid, as a teenager, and I know that, like oftentimes the hockey locker room can just be such a place of shame and of kind of lumping insults and hate on anyone who's different in any way I mean you know I I was the butt end of that a lot of the times and I'm wondering if that was your own experience growing up or if you had a more positive experience playing hockey as a kid um I had a I guess I had a positive experience playing while I was on the ice because 
when I was on the ice, I just, you know, focused on the game. Nothing else really mattered to me. I wasn't thinking about what else was going on in my life. But off the ice, um, like in the change room and I guess the insults people threw on the ice, but um, that I just kind of took as people getting heated playing hockey. It tends to happen sometimes um, with uh, young people. Um, mm. But uh, the locker room was a difficult place, hearing how people's how people spoke about people who were different, um, hearing the things they say, hearing, seeing how people acted. It just didn't feel like a place where I fit in. And I pretty much tried to get out of there as soon as hockey was over. I'd change as fast as possible and be gone. Mm. And then you, you left hockey at a certain point, uh, I believe as a teenager. Can you, can you kind of tell that story and what, what prompted you to leave? Um, yeah, I left hockey uh, the year after my major midget year. It was kind of the time of it was the time where most people either started playing in a beer league or they were going on to play in the o, the OHL or the junior B or something like that. So it was a pretty natural time for me to leave hockey, I think. And um, it was difficult because hockey was the hockey is something that I love to play, but it kind of came came easier to me because I didn't really feel like I fit in in that culture. Mm. What what did you kind of turn to in life after that? I imagine you'd been in it really seriously. Did you think there was maybe like other paths that you wanted to pursue, whether in sport or otherwise? Um, uh, after I had quit hockey, I was done high school. I didn't really know at all what I wanted to do with my life. I wasn't I wasn't in a very good space mentally. Um, I was essentially just working uh, at Canadian Tire at the time. Um, I was probably going out way too much as kind of a coping mechanism, struggling with my identity and how to be myself, I guess. Um, It was was a tough time in my life, but eventually I realized that there was, I needed to change something. So I went to a therapist and we talked things out and I decided to move away, uh, start university and kind of get a fresh start. Mm. And so then, of course, so you were at, uh, I believe, Wilfrid Laurier University. Is that right? Yep. Yep. And so, you know, today you're you're playing hockey at a pro level. So you obviously came back to hockey in a big way. Um, what what was it that brought you back into the sport after taking years off? Um, well, after I finished at Wilfrid Laurier, I, um, I was just working for a year. I had a full time job. Need a little bit of extra money, so I got a part-time job on the side at uh, the Zone, which was a training facility. Um, but most of what I did while I was there was I was a, an assistant instructor, helping to teach, um, learn to skate and learn to play classes. So I was teaching kids from probably two to seven or nine or so how to skate and how to play hockey, and it really reignited the passion for hockey. Um, but at that time, um, I wasn't comfortable in locker room situations, so I was, I was holding back from, from actually playing again. And I guess for me, once I had surgery, I, I felt more comfortable in locker room situations, and I just decided to go for it. Mm. And so, of course, you joined the the CWHL, the Canadian Women's Hockey League, in 2016. 
yeah, tell us that story. Like, what was it like coming into the league, especially after, you know, like your experience as someone who who had played growing up and then took time off and came back into it is, of course, different than, you know, a lot of pro athletes who just go at it their whole lives. So, yeah, tell us like around like that moment a couple of years ago, just joining, coming into the CWHL. Yeah, it was really difficult um, because I had only started playing hockey again the summer before and in a summer rec league before I signed up for the CWHL draft. So I knew that I was progressing quickly week by week, but I didn't know if I'd be able to able to play with uh, the players in the CWHL. Um, so I just kind of went out there and gave it my all, but it's, it was, and it still is a constant learning process. Um, at first I didn't quite have the, I didn't have the vision that I used to have on the ice. Um, I had to get used to the systems again. Um, a lot of these players had had um, elite level coaching throughout university and they knew all these different systems and all these different things that I hadn't quite learned because I just played rec hockey in high school and I didn't have that level of coaching. Um, mm-hmm. So it just took a lot of a lot of getting used to for me. Um, Everything came back with time, and um, I'm just trying to take in as much as I can, learn as much as I can as fast as possible, and hopefully hopefully make an impact on the ice. Right on. So, you know, of course, as we mentioned at the top of the interview, um, you're the first out trans person in the CWHL, um, but not not the first in professional uh, women's hockey in North America. So there's, of course, you know, Harrison Brown, uh, who's with the the NWHL uh, down in the states? Um, who's a trans player, and and you guys had actually been in touch kind of throughout your coming out process in the hockey world. Uh, so tell us about a little bit more about like your relationship with Harrison and maybe other trans athletes, and and what advice or what kind of support they were giving you. Um, <clears throat> Harrison is incredible. Um... Uh, he was one of the inspirations for me to come out um, in women's hockey because I looked to his his coming out as I looked at the, re- the reactions that he got uh, from the women's hockey community and kind of gauged, and it kind of made me feel more confident coming out in the women's hockey community. Um, I mean, the community is so open and accepting, and it's, it's really incredible, but... Um, it was really great hearing from Harrison and um, I think we kind of shared a little bit of a kinship of the things that we've been through in, in the same sport essentially. So uh, it was always, it's always great to hear from him. Um, He's a constant inspiration and constantly striving to make the world a better place. Um, As for advice, um, the best advice that, he usually gives he would give me is that I can't really I can't pay attention to the people who are saying negative things you have to think about um like why you're doing it who you're doing it for and know that there's a better reason like a bigger a bigger reason bigger purpose mm-hmm. it's it's really fascinating I mean one thing that always strikes me um as being really incredible with with the CWHL and how the CWHL rather really differs from the NHL is whenever I go to games and sorry, I have to admit I'm a Canadiens fan. Um, oh, so I know. 
but just to put that out there and it's you know um but i do wish all the best to the toronto furies um but like whenever i go to uh canadiens games um it's always incredible to see like the kind of community vibe and and the level of empowerment and i'm always astounded looking around the stands and seeing um all like the young girls who come out to games who are really there to kind of like seek out role models um and i'm wondering like like what your experience has been like in terms of connecting with fans especially after coming out like do you feel that maybe you've been in in kind of a position of um either maybe like mentoring other people or or being kind of a, a role model let's say um i think I, I mean ideally when i came out i was hoping that i could be a positive role model for people and i have received messages and met people who are inspired by my story so i was hoping to be a positive role model and i think i'm i'm having the ability to do that so uh, it's really incredible meeting the fans uh after the games um every every home game we always go out and interact with the fans and it's always incredible i think it's really important for young girls young um trans people um and just really i think it's important for them to see that they can they can do anything they can achieve their dreams um they don't have to they don't have to give it up because they're female or because they're trans they can they can still do everything they want to do mm-hmm and I think another thing that really shows like the forward thinkingness of um, women's hockey leagues is at least with the, the NWHL in the States, uh, they have a policy now, an official policy uh, on transgender players um, that uh, essentially, you know, welcomes uh, trans athletes in the league. I haven't had a chance to read it um, very in depth yet, but I'm wondering um, if like a, if, if the CWHL, uh, has a similar policy if they're working on a policy and and maybe just like do you think that those kinds of policies are are going far enough for in terms of inclusion and and acceptance i think the policies are are doing pretty good for inclusion and acceptance i mean there's always there's always room to improve but that comes with more knowledge and research and education and it's kind of a constant process um the CWHL does have policies and guidelines. Um, if I'm, I, I think they were one of the first, uh, one of the first leagues to partner with You Can Play. So, I know they're definitely very forward thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for our listeners, uh, you know, You Can Play is uh, an organization that we've uh, we've covered uh, on this show before. So they're of course uh, an organization that you know encourages uh, queer athletes uh, throughout different sports. Um, Jessica, I wanted to go back actually to to that Instagram post you made because I think like for me, one of the most remarkable things uh, reading that is, you know, you you clearly like you did this for yourself as you mentioned, but you also seem like you did it very much thinking about future generations and up and coming trans athletes who are out there who are maybe having a hard time navigating the locker rooms, like navigating. Um, being trans in sports um, and and yeah like thinking about that future generation and you know maybe reflecting on that what are some of your hopes for for up-and-coming trans players in hockey um I hope there's that that they're supported um 
I did this because I wanted to make it easier for people that come after me. I know how difficult it is, the how how hard it is to go through what they're going through or have gone through. Um, I just just want to make it easier for them. I want to make it better for them. Um, things aren't weren't always easy for me, and I hope they can hope they can be easier for them. Mm. And I mean, it's it's painful in a lot of ways to say it, but like we're still seeing so much transphobia in in our society. Of course, you know, south of the border, there's always like awful news coming out. Um, but at the same time, like a lot of really inspiring activism that's happening. And I'm wondering if in a way, like if you see like the hockey world or the hockey arena as as a possible site of, of resistance where we can fight against homophobia and transphobia in sports. Uh, I think the hockey re- the hockey arena can be a place of resistance, um, but a place of resistance can be anywhere where someone's fighting for equality, someone's fighting for fighting for uh, I guess justice, fighting for people to be accepted. Um, so the hockey re- arena can definitely be a site of resistance, but you can make wherever you are a site of resistance. Mm, amen to that. Yes. Once again, we've been speaking with Jessica Platt uh, with the Toronto Furies. Um, thank you so, so much for sharing your story with us today. I mean, I think it's um, it's important. It's inspiring. And um, lastly, just like what are, what are some of your thoughts on, on the rest of the, the CWHL season? Uh, I think I have a lot of I have a lot of hope for the rest of the season. I know my team, uh, we work hard and we have a lot of potential and I think it's, I think it's going to be an exciting season. Um, hopefully we get a lot of people to come out to the games. They're always, they're always exciting. Mm, indeed. And I know I, I mentioned I was, uh, you know, of course, a Le Canadiens fan as a Montrealer, but I always think the, the Furies are such an exciting team to watch. I mean, you guys have some amazing Olympians there. I'm a big fan of like Sarah Nurse and Natalie Spooner. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, you got great teammates. And, um, you know, even though I can't fully cheer for your team, I do wish you all the best. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Well, once Hopefully, again, uh... Hopefully see you when uh, we play there. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to be in the stands. We've been speaking with uh, Jessica Platt again, number 11 for the Toronto Furies. Thank you so much for being with us on Changing on the Fly today. Thanks for having me. All right, welcome back to Changing on the Fly. We are almost out of here, but we'll mention, of course, a few quick things before we go I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Jessica Platt. If you want to support Jessica and her fellow trans athletes, here's a few ways you can do that. Well, for one, if you're in Toronto, go buy a ticket for the Furies. CWHL tickets are super affordable and supporting the league helps it grow, but also sends a message that we as fans support this kind of inclusivity. Or if you're not in Toronto, buy a ticket to a CWHL or NWHL game nearest you. Jessica has partnered with the You Can Play Project, which fights homophobia and transphobia across all sports. If you miss our interview with Cheryl McDonald from You Can Play, go to changingonthefly.ca and check out episode 5 of this podcast. But you can also make a donation to support this crucial work or find out about activities in a town near you at youcanplayproject.org. So speaking of the CWHL, the league held its annual All-Star Game in Toronto on January 20th. 
So of course, the news is that the gold team beat the purple team 8-4, but beyond the scoreline, one important thing to note is that this event is one of the biggest for women's hockey outside of the Winter Olympics, which only happen once every four years, of course. And it's true that every time there's a big event in women's hockey, there are a few accompanying think pieces that break down the lack of focus on women's hockey outside of these big landmark events. Hillary Knight, who's basically one of the best hockey players out there in the world right now, was quoted in one of these pieces in the CBC saying, quote, Unfortunately, the way to get a story out now for women's hockey is essentially talking about the inequity of the sport. And I hope we get to a place where we do have equality in the sport. And hopefully that storyline won't be there anymore. So the players want the storylines to be about the scores. And that makes sense because like, why just keep talking about all of the conflict surrounding women's hockey? Personally, I think it should be about the score, but also stories behind the game. And that's what we're always going to try to keep doing and changing on the fly, bringing you ongoing interesting coverage that dives deep, deep, deep beneath the headlines. Also, if you want to check out some really great coverage of the CWHL All-Star Game, check out our sibling podcast on the Upford Network, The Scrum, for their episode number 48. And then, of course, we got to mention, of course, the NHL All-Star Game, which happened in San Jose on January 26th. And the women really stole the show there, too, which was incredible. You had Kendall Coyne of uh, Team USA just doing a brilliant, brilliant job in the speed skating competition. And then, of course, Brianna Decker, who many say, you know, she won the passing competition. Uh, She was dazzling fans there. Didn't get paid any money, as did Leon Dreisaitl, who people say actually won the passing competition. And then because of a Twitter hashtag campaign, Pay Brianna, uh, the NHL and I believe it was uh, CCM finally coughed up $25,000 to pay her as her male counterparts are getting paid. So yeah. More little stories that show that these women hockey players are in fact amazing, can compete at the highest levels, and of course, should be paid for their labor. And with that, we are out of here. Once again, if you want to support Changing on the Fly, our Patreon page is patreon.com slash changing on the fly. You can find a link to it in the show notes. Again, help us cover web hosting costs, equipment upgrades, and just keeping the heat on in our Montreal headquarters, which is my apartment. If you're in search of other great podcasts covering women's hockey, I recently just discovered The Ice Garden, a very worthy listen, but there is, of course, Burn It All Down and here at the Upford Network, The Last Stretch. I want to thank all our current Patreon supporters who help make this show happen. Anne, Aiden, Jeff, Nick A, Jeremy, Nick T, Eldridge, Ellen, Sam, Grill, and Dasha. Again, if you want to find your name amongst them, hit up patreon.com slash changing on the fly. The theme music for Changing on the Fly was produced by Chizimba. For a link to check out more of his music, again, have a look in our show notes. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back very soon. Stay warm. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Sass. And we're the host of The Last Stretch, a sports podcast. 
It's a podcast where we're going to talk about, well, sports. Specifically, what we do look at is what makes an athlete be the best that they can be. So not only do we talk to some athletes, but we talk to the people behind the athletes, from trainers to sports psychologists, you name it, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about other issues revolving sports as well, hot button issues like concussions, maybe doping. Give us a listen. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Candace Pye, and I'm the host of Gal Chat, a weekly podcast where we give you our feminist takes on everything from sex and dating to politics and pop culture. It's a show that updates you on controversial headlines, dives into the latest movies and TV, and discusses things like Tinder troubles and Me Too struggles. I put out a new show every Tuesday with special guests, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on social media at Gal Chat Pod. I did this because I wanted to make it easier for people that come after me. I know how difficult it is, the how how hard it is to go through what they're going through or have gone through. Um, I just just want to make it easier for them. I want to make it better for them. Um, things aren't weren't always easy for me, and I hope they can hope they can be easier for them.